0: Months ago when we began the journey of working out this sermon series and kind of praying about all the different pieces and throughout the different various interruptions that have occurred, you know, the, the passages that are in front of you have been mapped out for some weeks. So as we get to these passages, we, we see a pivotal moment in the, the the measure of the church where the disciples that have followed Jesus that that had gotten all the way past the resurrection point and through the day of Pentecost, how the church is just blossoming. It's doing these amazing things. And as a result, there's this moment of intensity that arises because not all the things are getting done. And as a result, the the picture is is that there needs to be be more. This is not the first time in Scripture, by the way, where a moment like this occurs. You see some really cool moments in the Old Testament, and one in particular with Moses. And he's having a hard time. And he just happens to have a a wise father-in-law. And his father-in-law looks at him and says, you're going to need some help. And I believe that's exactly what the passage in front of us this morning is going is to dig into is the fact that whenever we come to church that, that the, the measure of doing all the tasks is spread out has to be in order for all the things to be to be attended to. So I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 6. When you get there, if you look to verse number 1, and when you get to verse number 1, you can stand in honor of God's word. Acts chapter 6 verse number 1 says this Now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution Then the 12 summoned the multitude of the disciples and said It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables Therefore brethren seek out from among you 7 men of good reputation full of the holy spirit and wisdom who we may appoint over the, this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Permanus, and Nicholas, the proselyte Manion, who they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests who were obedient to the faith. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that as we come to Scripture that we are always reminded. We are always reminded of how important it is Lord, for us to be sensitive first and foremost to the, the needs of those around us or that they be met. And when we realize our own limitations, Lord, that we might cry out for help and we might look to those who are capable, those who are able, and those who are called. And as a result, Lord, that you might see multiplication even in our number. We ask, Lord, for this great peace to be a part of our story. We ask for this in Jesus' name, amen. There was a, a moment in history when, when I had just gotten out of college and a friend of mine picked the phone up and he said, hey, I, I've got a um, a church that's looking for somebody to supply. I mean, they just needed a preacher. And, and I was just you know, just right on the end of finishing school. And, and I said, Yeah, sure, I'll come and I'll supply. And I remember the, uh, at that church was, was, there were precious moments in that church as a result of, of what would follow. But that morning, I got bad instructions on how to get there. And this is before the phone had the, the map in it, you know what I'm saying? I mean, this is, I didn't even have my own first cell phone until I graduated college. I'm kind of showing my age here. I had an address, and I went out and I did not find the church. So I'm scrambling, and so I'm kinda like, at this address, trying to figure the thing out, and I, I finally sort it out, and I come like, with my hair on fire, to the church, right before service, About begin, I think they were wondering if I was gonna be there or not. And I get up, and I preach, and so my wife and her family, who are just, you know, her, my in-laws are with her, and they're, they're kinda following us, following me, because I always try to get out a little bit earlier for church, and they're given the same bad address, and so I'm trying to get a hold of them, but I don't know how because this is, like I said, before we had cell phones. And so they figured it out, too, and they come in about halfway through church service. And I remember that I preached a sermon that morning. And, and then later, the, after that, the pastor came back that had been gone and he resigned. And then he said, we want, we want to ask you if maybe you'd be our preacher. They figured it, if I could preach a good sermon with all that other chaos in my life, that I probably was going to be okay. And I remember thinking that that was, that, was, that was saying something because I was completely rattled that morning. Well, in that church, there were no deacons. And it was kind of funny because at some point, somebody said, you know, maybe we should have some. And I said, that's great. Who wants to be a deacon? And it was kind of like everybody just looked down. Nobody wanted to be a deacon. And I said, well, and then somebody said, well, maybe we need to hear a sermon or two about what it means to be a deacon. And I said, well, I guess coming to a church may be very soon. And so I I got a chance to teach this passage some years ago. And, I mean, now, almost 20-plus years ago, it feels like. And nothing in the Scripture has changed about the responsibility and the work here. Uh, before I go any further, and before we talk about any more of this, I want to tell you that if you feel like at any point during the course of this message that God might, God might be leading in your life to ask you to serve in a role of leadership in this church, whether it be deep or somewhere else, you should consult 1 Timothy chapter 3. You should look at Titus, and you should look at what the qualifications are. That is the first greater step in understanding the role. This just describes how it happened in the the New Testament church early on. So if you're saying, hey, man, God is leading me, and you need to know those passages again, I will share those with you again. But before we get into this, I want to preface this by saying there are high standards and expectations in ministry of every office because we will take such criticism about absolutely everything we do that if you have blemishes in your character, they'll tear you down immediately. So there's a reason the benchmark is set high. So this is not to, to exclude people from doing work. I believe there's a place for absolutely everybody who's faithfully following Jesus to serve in the church. You may not carry a title as a, as a lead, leader or, or some capacity of ordained role, but I will tell you there's a place for absolutely everyone. Do you believe that with me this morning, church? You'll maybe hope, hopefully sound a little more convinced as we've been just kind of working through all these different aspects of service in the church, but I hope you'll realize that, that just because you maybe don't line up with this one just right doesn't mean that... There's not a place for you. So as we get into the verses, we see something really neat happening. It says, now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying. Everybody say multiplying? multiplying. Now we understand multiplying. You know, that's different than addition. When we get into school and we learn about addition, we say, we're going to add one by one by one. And if you did that every day in your life, if you went out and you began to lead people to Jesus and you led a different person every single day, that'd be 365 people. That'd be an impressive growth. That'd be more people that could fill this room. Man, I'm going to tell you what, if we just do addition, if one person sets in to do that, it would take you forever to reach the ends of the earth with a message. So we prefer multiplication, and that's where we all learn the story, we all share the story, and each of us begins to teach somebody else, and before we know it, there's a number of other people that are learning, and imagine if every single one of us just led one or two people to Jesus this year. Well, if your pastor is an outstanding soul winner, he'll go out and fill in 365 people, in a year. Most great soul winners don't even do that. If all 200 people that show up at church regularly are just like one person, we double this number in a matter of a month or two. You see where I'm going with this? That's what is being described in the early church in this moment. It says that multiplication is happening. It says, when the number of the disciples was multiplying. That's not a mistake. What it means is that each person was taking some personal responsibility and sharing what they believed with other people. And other people were starting to embrace that. And as a result, the growth was happening. Well, as a result, something happens, okay? So point number one, if you're going to take it, is that multiplication is superior to addition. It's just the truth when it comes to growth. But it says there's a problem that arises here. It says there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Now, this is an interesting distinction because... Most of the people that Jesus invited to, to, to do his work immediately just happened to be Jewish, just happened to be Hebrew, and as a result, but the gospel as it is proclaimed is for everyone, and as a result, it is spreading out past just the Jewish people that are here. It is actually getting out much further. It is going to other people's lives. The early church is comprised of, of people that are both Hebrew and people that are Greek in origin and all these other things, and you begin to learn that this is the way it works. It just, just spreads out to everybody. And as it spreads out to everybody, what happens is they can't keep up with it. They can't keep up with it. You know, I oftentimes will talk about It's pretty funny whenever you see them doing road construction. I don't know about you, but, you know, I just love it when they do new road construction near me. How about you? Yeah, no, I'm I'm kidding. Now, I know I see the need for the growth, but, man, if you're going to tear it up for how many years to get there, by the time they're done with it, the need will be bigger than what they did, right? Well, that's kind of how churches work sometimes, where we are behind the curve. One of the things I was taught in my training is, is that if you're not thinking about programs in your church, you're not thinking about them from the day they were born until the day they end, you're not thinking far enough in advance. Oftentimes, communities will build the road they needed 10 years ago today. Instead of building the road, they're going to need 10 years from now today. And when you see the expansion, oftentimes we do this, and we do this in in the measure of schools. We do this in the measure of infrastructure and roads. We do this in the measure of, of housing development. And oftentimes, communities are cobbled together poorly because of bad planning, because of bad infrastructure, because of bad, bad vision. And so churches are bad about this. We start to bloom and blossom and grow. And as a result, we're like, how do we get more, more seats in here? Or how do, we, how do we handle all the things? And how do we manage all the different pieces? And that's exactly what's happening here, is that it's growing so fast that they're not keeping up. It goes on to say that they're complaining because that the widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. I don't want to unpack all of that, but I, there are all kinds of interesting reasons culturally why that may have been happening, but we're not going to get into that this morning. We just know there's a complaint. People are being neglected. Verse 2 says, Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God in our tables.'" Point number two is delegation of responsibilities is essential to meet all the needs. I know that's a mouthful. Delegation of responsibilities is essential to meet all the needs. The problem is, is that what they began to see was is that if they decided to stop doing what they were doing, they probably could meet the needs of the other people. And as a result, what would happen to the multiplication? It would stop. And so the process here is, is that they're looking at it and saying, how do we continue to accomplish the thing that God has called us to do and meet the need? Well, we're going to have to get some more people on board. We're going to have to invite people to help with the tasks. So I, I love it. I listened to this sermon years ago. It was a powerful sermon when it was like, and, and this pastor, he re-preaches this one every year, he says, because it's about time we start kind of rounding up some new volunteers and doing some things. He's like, if you came here to this church, and this is a quote from him, if you came here to this church and you had burden and you had, you had things that were that you needed to get healed up when you got here and you got here for, for, for a while and you got to healing on those wounds and you got to dealing with your spiritual struggles and, and you're starting to mend and you're getting to a place eventually at some point you have to go from spectator to participant. And so you bring those things and we give you time to, to get used to it and then we invite you into doing something about what you're doing here. And living this peace out that you believe in. And as a result, he said that he would preach it and he would see people kind of get involved and then every once in a while somebody would come up to him and say, oh man, we're running short on volunteers in this area and this area. When are you going to preach that sermon again? And it just became an annual deal for him. Well, we look at the measure here and we see the reality is that the disciples, they have been tasked by Jesus to do a very important thing. But oftentimes... Ministry can bog you down in all the other things. Sometimes your pastor becomes increasingly entrenched in matters that will completely derail him from doing the ministry that he needs to do. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, there was, there, there was just this point where I had to just stop doing something that was kind of making me busy. And I had to say, no, I need to make a couple phone calls that I've been putting on. And I need to ask these people how they're doing. And I need to reach out to some people that need, that need to be cared for ministerially that I can't do because I've been all this other stuff. And you know, the, the thing about it was is that when I did that, I felt so much more relief than having done the ministry piece than the busy work that I was trying to do. And you see this delegation of responsibilities. And there's this huge responsibility that we see here at the church where, where there's this measure of neglect that they're trying to mitigate. But it goes right on into this. It says in verse three, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men, Man, what comes next is pretty important. It says, of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Point number three is good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, all three. It didn't ask them to go find influential people or powerful people or people that people respected only. That wasn't the whole measurement. There was this picture of what they were looking for. The disciples who had followed Jesus said, We're looking for people. Who have these things in common? They have good reputation, but this next piece is a hard piece. Role of the Holy Spirit, and the last piece is even harder. Wisdom. Now, I want you to hear me very clearly. Okay, I believe firmly, as one writer put it, that we all have chapters we'd rather leave them unpublished. Some of us would never step into a responsibility role of leadership in the church because we know how hard people will look at us, and we begin to realize. That if you don't want people to look that deep, all you have to say is nothing? But man, you're going to talk about a group that will, that will just absolutely obliterate the people who are willing to help? Watch the people that will vet you for your character and all your things and all the little pieces about your life, and they'll come at you with razors. I mean, I watched it. I watched it in a church that I served in where they, the same church I told you, they said, we don't have any deacons, maybe we should have some deacons. And I said, well, let's preach a sermon on it. And then I had a couple guys that maybe were candidates for it. And before I could even get them up in front of them, even though they had given their life to Jesus and were following him daily, people were coming at me with all manner of things they had in disagreement about these guys. As a result, one left the church, another one refused. That church I don't think ever got deacons. What I'm telling you is that when you look at these passages and you begin to look at the measure of what it is, of what he's asked, of what the disciples were looking for, what the apostles were leaning into, that first part is the part that will get you, will get you in, in, into, into more interesting conversations. Now, mind you, the people who had criticisms about these people, they didn't volunteer to do the task, but they didn't feel like they were leaning in, and they sure didn't want us to look at their lives that hard either. Let's be careful. Let's be careful as we hold people to a reputation standard that we won't hold ourselves to. Let's be careful. And let's be careful to really hear the whole story before we make up one of our own. Because the next part won't let the first part or the last part be a part of the story if you don't have the middle If you don't have the Holy Spirit in your role as you're trying to do this task, and remember I said, Timothy and Titus are where you need to read if you're like the deacon is the role for you you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life, if you haven't become a believer in Jesus, if you haven't fully submitted to him, if you haven't let him know about all the stuff or given to him all the stuff he already knows that you don't want to talk to him about, then you got no business. Really. And One of the chief problems that I run into is that we have oftentimes talked about the need of salvation, but rarely talked about the need of lordship. Jesus doesn't want to just rescue you from the hell in front of you. He wants to lead you to the heaven in front of you. But I believe firmly that if we will follow him, that that Holy Spirit will end all our lives in such a way that we will have the reputation that he desires and the wisdom that we need. But I believe that if we miss that middle part, that spiritual peace, then the other two don't matter at all. And I've watched too many places be led by people who have the first and the last in their own opinion, but the middle is missing. And it is alive and breathing in us that is changing us. It is transforming us. I was telling um, my wife and, and some others that I was listening to something on the, you know, there's this really neat podcast a friend of mine introduced me to, and I just been kind of listening to it as I do other things. And there's this part that was eluding me, like, I was listening, and something <clears throat> happened on it when I went to hit it back to play. It jumped back. And I didn't know why, and I never had time to, like, sort it out. I just turned it off and went on. I came back to it, and I listened to it, and I kind of found where I was at, and I listened to it. What funny thing about that is, it's exactly what I needed to hear. He knew I didn't need to hear it a couple weeks ago. He knew I needed to hear it this week. And I, I just know that God leaned in on me, and he made me, you know, think about my own self. He's shaving on me. That feeling of the Holy Spirit is correcting in us as much as it is as in others. And oftentimes I tell people this. God is not more concerned with the sins of other people than he is with your own. And so don't no, for one moment, think that Just because somebody else has done something bad, you've got any right. What you need to do is you need to look right here, right now. You need to get that relationship with him right. Because when he says, go find these men, and he puts these three things down, and say, well, is it possible for any person to serve in this role ever? And I would say, only by the grace of God. It's true of your pastor. It's true of any man who would stand in these roles. By the grace of God. He goes on to say, whom we may appoint over this business. And it says, but we will give ourselves continually prayer to the ministry of the word." It's important that we understand that the, that the responsibility, and one of the things that Dr. Thomas used to talk about in seminary all the time about deacons, is that their role, and I, and I know I'm hard on deacons this morning, but it's all different roles in the church that are leadership. The chief responsibility is, is that they make sure that the gospel is presented at every turn. Their whole task is to make sure that everything else is running so that the gospel can be presented so that the ministry can be done, so that people who are lost can hear the good news, so that every single part of it can be done. We get tangled up in so many different things sometimes that we stop doing that all And I don't understand that we have lost the vision for the leadership goals. And so I just challenge you when you read this to say, in the early church they saw it. there was a lack. They filled the need to, to not hinder, but to help the process of the gospel getting out. And as a result, as a result, what comes next is absolutely stunning, right? But let's read a little further. It says, when they give themselves to this task, and they go on and start talking about some things, and I want you to, to, to just dial in for just a few more minutes with me. It says, and the same pleased the whole multitude. And they chose, and it gives us a list of names. Now, one of them is an important name because he pops up later in the story, just in a couple of chapters, very important, Okay. The rest of the names are like, I'm not sure if I know any of these names. Remember when we were talking about just a couple weeks ago? The day that brought the children to Jesus? These men are named in scripture here. Some of them, we don't hear about them ever again other than they just go about doing their task. And that's okay. That is Okay. It's okay that the greater people will come after me. The greater people will come after you. It's, it's okay. It's okay that people may not ever have any recollection of who did what. Why? Because our goal is not to be recognized by name. Our goal is to recognize the only name in matters, and Our goal is to make sure that every single person that comes here hears about Jesus. You know, we get to the point where we see these names listed. Philip and Stephen, and, excuse me, I said that completely back. Stephen and Philip, my wife tells me I do that. It's called a splinterism when you, when you mix words around like that. I do it instinctively a lot. Some people think it's a learning disability. I'm not sure. I think it's funny. <laughs> Sometimes it comes out like that, and you're like, what's he talking about? Stephen and Philip, we, we see these names, right? And then the rest of them are like, I don't know these people. Wouldn't it be enough to serve Jesus in such a way that you'd be invited to do a task? And you would say yes and serve him faithfully because the next verses are more important than these verses? It says, then the word of God spread. Oh, Lord God Almighty, let this be the truth about every single person in here that we would just serve in such a way that the word of God would spread into every corner of our community in such a way that people would be able to reach out and grab a hold of the gospel and would change their life and would bring them out of the sin in their life, out of the depth of their soul, they would know that there is some hope in a world where they feel no hopelessness. When they watch the television, they see no hope. They are given narrative after narrative about how dysfunctional families should be instead of what a life of God should be. They are given nothing but discouragement when they watch the news about the the campaign stuff that's gonna happen over the course of the next six months. And they have hopelessness. And they look at the finances and they see the rising prices and they see hopelessness. But if we would just learn to just dissolve into the background and let the word of God spread, then the whole community would hear the gospel in such a way that their hope would be be in front of them and it would be Jesus. And that's what we want not to be recognized or named or known, but that the word of God might spread. Because then what happens after the word of God spreads out into the community, it says, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And it begins to talk about this dynamic change, that this gospel is spreading and the number is growing, it's multiplying, and the people who had been faithful to Judaism, which should be pointing them at the Messiah, they are latching on to it. And it is changing them. This is what we're about. The delegation of responsibilities provides this, uh, this amazingness of the God that He desires. That's point number four, by the way. That the declaration, or excuse me, the delegation of responsibilities provides the growth that God desires. This great thing that God wants from us. He wants us to serve him and lead quietly. Not to be leaders per se, but to be lead servants among servants. To give ourselves to the purpose of making sure that this gospel spreads out. So that when you look at your life and you feel hopelessness and then you look to the gospels and you look to the scriptures and you think of church you think of the Jesus who who died upon the cross to die for our sins in such a way that everything that we've done wrong can be paid for. And that we don't have to carry it anymore. See, when you delegate all these responsibilities out, and when these things are done, then the people who do them oftentimes times are not known at all. It'd be hard for any person in this room to know everybody else in this room, wouldn't it? It'd be almost impossible. I still see some of deceits, don't you? Wouldn't it be needed? It was so full cool that you'd be like, I don't even know a fistful of people there, but I do the tasks that I was asked to do, and I do a faithful name. As a result, the gospel spreads. That's the benchmark of leadership. You know, they talk about it all the time, and it's kind of funny. When you go into an establishment, depending on the establishment, if you look at the name tag on an employee, it has one name, you know, okay, they're just an employee, but you see two names, you're like, okay, that's person's a leader, right? All of a sudden, if they're willing to give you a last name, you know, when you pick up the phone, you call in the call center, and they say, my name is... Bob, you're like, no last name? And they're like, no, no last name, just Bob. But then when you say, can I talk to your manager? And then they give you a whole name. You're like, okay. You know, that last name, it ties the responsibility of doing it right. And that's one of the hard parts about leadership is that the good and the bad come with it. All the hard things come to it. The measure of this task is what? Serving Jesus in such a way that the word of God can speak. So maybe this morning you're here and you're visiting or you've just been visiting for us for a couple of weeks or just kind of feeling us out and trying to figure out what's, what this is about. And I want you to know that there's one goal that we have here and that is that you'll know the Jesus of the scriptures. The one who, who comes, lives a flawless life. He is the fulfillment of the promises of the Old Testament. He is the fulfillment of the expectation of the New Testament and he can save you from your hopelessness. And that people need this and that we need for people to hear this. And then we hope that it will multiply into your home and into your families and your community in such a way that even the people who didn't believe this way now believe this way. So if that's you this morning and you're thinking, I don't know this Jesus and I don't have this hope, then this invitation is first and foremost for you. Come and let me tell you about a Jesus who can take all of your burdens, that you can leave them here, and you can walk out of here completely lifted. But if you're also in this place and you already know this truth that God is leaning on you, and maybe, maybe be ready to say yes to serve him more. Maybe to, 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 to discern whether or not this, these passages in Timothy and Titus, they measure up to you, or maybe some other role. Maybe you need to come and pray about it and ask God if he would just make it clear to you that you should serve him. And if you feel compelled to talk with me or one of the other staff members, we'd love to put you on a pathway to helping you find a place to serve. And maybe you say, well, Brother Ben, no, that's for me. I already know Jesus and I don't feel compelled to serve. Well, then pray that you can do the task that you're doing in such a way that the word of God will spread. This invitation touches absolutely every one of us. Stand to your feet today. Would you bow your heads and let us pray today? Lord God, we thank you. We ask you, Father, that you would allow us, Lord, to serve and in doing so lead. We pray, Lord, that you would allow everyone to be attended to. That you would, Lord, that you would ensure because of the the steadfast convictions of our number here. Lord, that don't care about being named, but care absolutely about the spread of your word. We pray for that this morning. We pray for those that might be here this morning that need to know you, that are are compelled even now to be be nervous about coming, but, but feeling that pull to come. Pray, Lord, that they would come and would come and seek me out and all the other staff members. Pray, Lord, that we would be a people that surrender to you. Lord, that the number might multiply. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.